He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you. We are excited to get going today. A lot to get into. We've got a delicious cheeseburger on tap after what he pulled off yesterday at Pebble Beach. So we'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit of snowmageddon happening here in the state of Oklahoma. I would imagine there will be a grand total of zero golf being played in the state today. But first, fellas, we have got huge news here on the 73rd hole. This is something that we've had in the works for a while, and we've really been wanting to announce We've been holding off, but today it is time to make the grand announcement that the 73rd hole is now officially partnered with Golf Oklahoma. You all know Golf Oklahoma Magazine. It has been around forever, and now the 73rd hole is the official podcast partner of Golf Oklahoma. And Sam Taylor, I mean, we are fired up. This is going to give us the opportunity to cover golf in the state of Oklahoma, really like nothing the state has ever seen, and it's it's going to be an unbelievable partnership. Uh, it's the reason we were at Southern Hills last week. It's the reason we're going to be a lot of places coming up in the near and the distant future. So, uh, fellas, Sam, we're, we're fired up to get going. Dude, I could not be more excited about this. I feel like it's a perfect fit. Um, I started working with Golf Oklahoma in December, and uh, I just had this idea about maybe bringing a podcast to Golf Oklahoma, and Kim McLeod and A.G. Myers have been so awesome to work with on this. They uh, kind of let me uh, recruit Taylor and Colby a little bit and bring them on the team. They're the best podcast in Oklahoma covering golf. And uh, uh, I was able to bring them on the team at Golf Oklahoma. And now we have endless opportunities. And uh, you're going to be getting a lot of great content coming out of us. Yeah, no, th- this, is, this is absolutely a tremendous honor. I couldn't be couldn't be more thrilled to be partnered with Golf Oklahoma as well as, you know, that's the reason, you know, Sam, you contacted me about the opportunity. And, and really from the get-go, we, we were all on board and knew that this was going to be a fabulous opportunity. And ever since we've gotten to meet everyone from Ken to, obviously, I've known AG forever, so, so is you, Sam, and meeting uh, Chris as well. I mean, everyone up at Golf Oklahoma is just so tremendous, some of the nicest people you ever meet. And I couldn't be happier for this partnership, and I think that it is really just the perfect, almost perfect marriage in a sense because we're going to be able to bring great golf knowledge to Oklahoma and also to our nationwide and worldwide audience that we already have. Yeah, absolutely. And this partnership, it, it does a few things for us. Number one, it allows us to reach a much larger audience with golf. Golf Oklahoma platform, we'll be able to reach more golf fans, especially in the state of Oklahoma, uh, than we ever have. So it's perfect. Golf Oklahoma needed a podcast. We needed a platform. It's the perfect pairing. One other thing that it's going to do, and this is going to be big, it's going to allow us to be on the grounds covering more golf in the state of Oklahoma. And we just, this is a great state for the game of golf. And, And I think that we almost take it for granted sometimes. You know, I don't think it's like this if you go to Kansas or Colorado or Nebraska or Iowa or one of these surrounding states. Oklahoma's a great state for golf and now we've got an NCAA regional this spring down in Norman we've got a senior PGA championship PGA championship next year we've got the OJGT the Oklahoma Golf Association all these events and anything that we can get into the only thing that's going to keep us out of these events now is is COVID and if there are regulations and we're not able to get in we can't be there but other than that we're going to get to cover more golf in the state of Oklahoma than we ever have before so we are fired up for this partnership Uh, everyone head over to Golf Oklahoma 
GolfOklahoma.org. Check out everything Golf Oklahoma has to offer. You'll be able to find links to our podcast there. Make sure you subscribe to their email list, which is big and continuing to grow. We'll be emailing out the links to the pod. A lot of ways for you to find us and to find Golf Oklahoma. So make sure that you're going out of your way to to find us and to find Golf Oklahoma. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, search Golf Oklahoma. Search 73rd Hole, the 73rdhole.com, golfoklahoma.org. We just, it, it's this massive uh, ability to cover golf in this state like never before. We're fired up, ready to get going. So huge shout out to Ken McLeod, A.G. Myers, Chris Swafford, uh, you, Sam Humphreys, everybody who made this come together. And we're, we're fired up to get going and to cover golf in this state. Yeah, and, and you know, you know, going back to your point, Colby, about how great of a state golf is for Oklahoma. I mean, you know, Oklahoma population wise is one of the smaller states in 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 the United States. But I know when I was growing up, and I think it's even progressed even further. Oklahoma is one of the top five to seven states when it comes to junior golf and to you know people going out. I mean, how many people do we see from OSU, OU on PGA Tour now in Oklahoma ties that have gotten out there? So. It's just like you said, Colby. It's we're you know even though South Central we're around Texas, Kansas, Arkansas, golf love is still here. But there's just something about Oklahoma that gives off just that momentum vibe and just brings everyone together. And it's just it's just a universal love, you know. And yeah, that, yeah. And I was just gonna say, you know, you mentioned OU No issue. I think you could make the argument with the success that those two programs have had, each winning national championships in the last five years, right? OU's five years ago, four years ago. That's right. It was. Uh... Whenever they were in Let's Eugene, see. I can't yeah, remember. Eugene, Oregon, Brad Dalkey. Yeah, it was it was four or five years ago, I think, yeah, whenever they OU won back theirs. To back. They won back-to-back. OU won and then Oklahoma yes, State yeah, won. The very next year, Oklahoma State won at Carson Creek in Stillwater. I think you can make a strong argument that where those two programs are at under Bratton and Hibble, that Oklahoma is the collegiate golf capital of the U.S., Name me another state with better college golf that can put two programs side-by-side like what Oklahoma has with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Maybe Stanford and Cal. Maybe. I, I don't know. Oklahoma's right up there for golf cap, college golf capital of the country. Yeah, now that we're having a bigger platform up in the Tulsa area, partnering with Golf Oklahoma now, I want to make a push to the people in Tulsa. And I know that there's new athletic directors at Tulsa and everything. I want to make a push to get that Tulsa program back up and running as well. And when people talk about national championship and success in golf and college golf in Oklahoma, look no further than Bill Brogdon at ORU as well back in the day, finishing second with those great teams with Jim Kane and Bill Glasson as well. So, I mean, golf is, is in Oklahoma is historically um, just really well, and, underrated. And, and what everything at Tulsa, that's personal for you, yeah, obviously. Absolutely. You were on the golf team at Tulsa when it got cut. Yep. So, I'm, I'm sure that that would mean a lot for you to, for that program to resurface. Absolutely. And, you know, let's not shorten ourselves to the uh, to the big programs here, boys. You know, my former, um, where I played at, Oklahoma Christian, just Absolutely. won a tournament this last week. They've won numerous uh, national championships. Then going back, Oklahoma City University has won numerous championships yep. back in the Dax past. Johnson so, at UCO Dax as well. Johnson at UCO as well. So, I mean, yep. you know, we're you, you break down to even the lower levels of golf, Colby and Sam. I mean, it's it's just, it's a parethola at this point. And yep. it's, um you know, it, like I said, with Golf Oklahoma, it's the perfect platform. And luckily, like you said, with all the great golf that we have in the state, it's going to make our jobs a lot easier yeah absolutely it is so uh man like i said i just i keep saying we're fired up because we're fired up we're excited snow couldn't keep us apart this morning we are together we are ready to go uh fellas it is straight up snowmageddon outside shout out to both of these gentlemen for making it here so that we could record this podcast live and in person today let's let's give the folks an update everybody wants to know should they stay in their houses or uh, are they good to get out y'all been on the roads i haven't so give me your your 
first first report, first live weather report, whatever we want to call it. I would say for anyone who knows anything about uh, mythology, uh, especially Norse mythology, um, there's a term called thimble winter. Did you say North Norse, <laughs> Norse mythology? Norse mythology. Yes. What the hell is that? I don't yeah. know. Uh, man, y'all, y'all, y'all gotta catch up on it. So, nevertheless, <laughs> explain the, it to the, us. The big event that ends the world Ragnarok is preceded by a 300 year winter called thimble winter, and that's what this seems like. So, for anyone out there who knows anything about mythology, I'm bringing some insight to the show today from that front. I learned um, something. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I would just stay in. I, I'm being way more simple than Taylor put it, but if there were any cars on the road... So we've got Norse would... mythology and we've got Sam mythology. <laughs> Sam says stay in. Taylor says it's a 300-year Fembrick winter? Fimble winter. Fimble winter. Okay. Fimble winter. New term. Right. Yep, there you go. And, okay, uh, you know, just just all jokes aside, if you have a smaller vehicle, dang, dang sure staying inside, I was able to make in the truck, Sam, in your car, I have no idea how you made it. Hey, I was Tokyo drifting. We make it everywhere. <laughs> Colby, yeah. you got to stay so, inside nice and warm. Uh, nice and warm for now. But you do a lot of the hard work behind the scenes. So. Yes, <laughs> the, the behind the scenes work. I might try to snap some wood to my feet this afternoon and find a good hill to, to get down on my skis somewhere in the metro area. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Because it is really cold outside. Negative 20 wind chill or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I have never seen... I've lived here 28 years, boys. I don't know if I've seen a wind chill that cold. I don't think we have. I know this morning I had the news on. They said negative 29 was the wind chill this morning in, in Oklahoma City. So, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy cold well, outside. Crazy one th- winter. One thing we know was Burger was negative 18. Negative so. 18. He's right there with the wind chill. <laughs> He's right there with the, the wind, wind chill. chill. is higher than Daniel Berger. What a tournament. It, it really ended up being a great tournament. Uh, I think just first and foremost, so much better without the AMs, right? 100%. I mean, I don't know. Maybe do once like a year. AMs? It's all right. It's entertaining. Okay. I mean, we can we can make this point, boys. I mean, there's... There's what two two tournaments that are officially pro ams, which is the the American Express and the Pebble Beach. It doesn't um, almost every other tournament have a pro am on Wednesdays anyway. Yes, yep. I mean, do yes. I, I I don't see a necessity for it because one thing too that was really frustrating on Friday because obviously I unfortunately had to have my appendix taken out on Wednesday, so I was sidelined for the cold, <laughs> and so I got to watch a lot of the golf. And Perfect timing though. Wednesday to Sunday, you heal up, and and he doesn't have to miss a podcast. I no, mean, it's what brilliant. A, what a champ this guy is. Oh, it, it, playing br- through the pain. I, 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 I timed it right. It's, it's like it's like John Rom. What he didn't do, trying to have a baby for the Masters. You know, he, right. he, he yes. he's having it on the Monday after yeah. bad timing. I timed my appendix needed out at the right time because so you're saying Taylor Williams greater than John Rom, and I don't see any arguments <laughs> to the contrary. A hundred percent. We have, we have to go down that route, and um, you know, just um, you know, let's go back more to um, to the to the am thing side of it. I on Friday when I was watching it because we saw we saw it on Thursday, boys. Every, everyone who played Pebble was on top of the leaderboard. What was oh there, yeah. What was there? Two uh, Berger was one of them. I think there was a three shot gap in scoring average between Pebble and Spyglass on Thursday when it was calm. Friday it wasn't as calm, and that scoring gap massively narrowed between the two courses. So whenever I was watching the golf on on Thursday, it was really good because you saw a lot of good score. The, the point I'm making is that there's all the cameras are on on Pebble and not Spyglass, right? Right. So on Friday you're watching the golf. I'm not seeing any of the leaders because they're playing the other course. There's no cameras. That yeah. is what the pro am aspect takes out of it so much is if if we don't if we don't want to spend the resources to take the cameras out so we can see all the golf. I think it hurts the viewership. I think it hurts it more than it benefits. I don't know. You guys can get real into quick, it. Real quick, whenever we're talking about a lack of cameras, how on Sunday, whenever you've only really got at this point about 12 holes to cover, because the leaders had come through about the first six holes, 
Guys, Kevin Streelman hold out from 116 yards on number 10 for Eagle to thrust himself up the leaderboard and into the tournament. And there wasn't a single camera on the 10th hole. We never saw the hole out from Kevin Streelman. <laughs> we still don't have video of it. I'm not even convinced it really exists. It, it's crazy. And like uh, this is what was really crazy. And but CBS coverage has gotten has gotten wrapped really ever since last year at the Genesis. Almost a year now when Harold Varner topped his shot on 10 and no one saw it. And on no 10 on Sunday. 10 on Sunday, yeah. When he was Time for the lead, I think. Exactly. And yesterday we're watching it, and we're in our DraftKings pool, and you have Russell Knox. Absolutely. And to to sum it up... He, Sam needs a birdie from Russell Knox in the last hole to to win the pool over over me, may I say, in second. And, and, and me, may I say, in fourth, out, yeah. of, the, out of the money. And, <laughs> so they show Knox hitting his approach shot into the bunker. They yep. never show him after that again. No, so then I'm on then I'm on PGA.com. Try, I, I see the shot length that he hit it to like four feet, eight inches. And then they're showing Berger after he makes that long putt the whole time. So I'm trying I'm trying to decipher. They show decipher. like 40 replays. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to decipher also, like, he did Daniel Berger say good putt to him or to Cantlay? Like, I was like, which one Which one were they? was he saying good putt to? How hard is it to put the camera on the guy putting? I mean, it's a, he, <laughs> they he already had a, a five camera on the green. They had a drone <laughs> flying over the ocean. Yeah. We're, we're going to show highlights and put it on the player's face as opposed to the person who's actually got a putt. <laughs> and, and like you said, like people, Knox went from what being twelfth to sixth with that. Yeah, put? How he birdied FedEx? seventeen and eighteen, and so did Doug Gim to give. Yeah, to, yeah, Doug Gim helped you on the draft. How yeah. much money well, and FedEx points was that worth for both of those guys? A bunch. Not only that, how about the tour pushing gambling more and more? They're starting to push gambling more and more, and then they're not going to show everybody finish their rounds on eighteen. I mean, these guys that are in the top 10 of the tournament, these are guys that people have bet money on, that people have in DraftKings. You're going to encourage gambling, yeah. and we don't get to see the last six players on the course finish their round on the last hole? Right. I, I mean, don't know. Yeah, it, that's a good point. Do y'all think it's a CBS problem, or you think it's just a golf uh, a coverage overall problem? Uh, I think it's a coverage overall problem. More I would so. agree. I, I just... I don't think that they show enough golf. I've, I've thought this for a long time. Just show more golf. We'll be happy. That's all right. we want is more golf. Right. I mean, is it, at the end of the day, is it restrictions on when, when we can't do it? Is, it? is it literally resources? I know these cameras and hiring people out there, I know that's expensive stuff. So, But, I mean, at the end of the day, CBS and NBC, these are huge networks. I don't see why we can't get a few more resources out there. I'm, I, don't, I don't know, boys. It's like I said, when... When, when we see other sports, I mean, obviously the NFL makes a lot more money than the PGA Tour, but well, they, they have that new camera after you score a touchdown where it, it looks like it's you're in 3D, It's like right? this 8K yeah. camera or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, if we can get that for, I mean, I, I, I don't know, boys. I, I just think that there's so many ways, but me and Colby have dived into it before how many ever times on our show. Sam, you can get into it if you want since you're fairly new. Let yeah, us know I how mean, you feel about the golf broadcast, or yeah, the golf uh, broadcast. You know, I mean, it's not, I don't think the coverage on golf is horrible. Now, I, I think that I would like to see definitely more shots coming down the stretch. Like maybe a couple guys like having how hard would it be to have one guy like one camera following each group? Like it, it's it shouldn't be that hard, I don't think. You or, know, or just have down a stationary camera behind every and, green. Yeah. Well like and then uh, I think these guys are getting filmed on these shots, but they're just not showing them like the Russell Knox putt. For yeah. instance, you know There's what I a mean. So right like, there. It, I I totally agree with co- what Colby was saying about the sports betting and everything. That um, that's something a lot of people are interested in now. And um, 
I, I think it would be a good addition to yep. kind of have more a little more coverage coming down the stretch, especially when a tournament's uh, like over with. Pretty yeah, much. I just I just don't understand how Kevin Strillman holds out for Eagle to get himself in the tournament, and we don't have a camera anywhere around there. I mean, we, we don't have footage. We don't have footage of a Sunday holdout on the back nine at Pebble by a guy who's within five shots of the lead. He holds out for Eagle. We don't have it. No, yeah. you know where there was a camera at, boys. On the 16th green, when Nate Lashley played the hole. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. What, what were your thoughts going through your head when you saw it transpire? I was thinking Rage Fest. I've been there. I had the UFC at one point. Oh, I mean, I I, I five-putted my first high school tournament <laughs> in uh, at Fort Sill. That was I, your first high school tournament? That's the first high school tournament. It was one of the flattest greens in the state. I had like 30 feet for birdie, and I walked off with triple. It just it, – it, it, it fries your brain – to a point that you know Nate Lashley like slammed his putter down. I I don't, I don't I'm not blaming him. I mean he had a chance to win a PGA oh. Tour event, and instead, I mean I can find I can find how much money that it cost him. Well, I, I don't think it's going to make anybody feel any better though. Golf's a fickle game. I mean he <laughs> he putted great all week, and then all of a sudden he four putts. And I was I was just hoping that he would make that putt on 18. So I I mean I'm sorry I I was hoping he missed that putt on 18. Not because I don't like Nate Lashley. I just I kind of wanted to see a putter go into the. Potentially could have. He did throw his ball into the pond afterwards. So, so <laughs> oh, he, did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Nice. So, or at least from the way it looked. Um, but I mean, I mean, boys, like I said, we've we've all been there. We've all, you know, that hole looks like it's the size of a penny. But unfortunately, I don't think any of us have been tied for the lead on the seventieth hole of a tournament and had that happen to no, us. Absolutely I mean, not. <laughs> I, I I really was stunned, like mouth agape, watching what was happening with Nate, Nate Lashley because it, it didn't even feel real to watch him keep missing the little ones. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as steady as he had been all day, and just from a financial perspective. So Nate Lashley winds up in a tie for fifth, which netted him a nice $301,275. Did he birdie 18 and finish 14? Uh, I, I don't know the answer yeah, to that. He's tied with Paul Casey. Yeah, he finished 14. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, finished yeah, 14. Yeah, okay. So he birdied 18 yeah. after the disaster at 16. But let's say he holds on and wins the tournament. That's $1.4 million. Let's say he, he makes bogey on 16, birdies 18, still finishes behind Berger, but he comes in solo second. That's eight hundred and fifty k. So, I mean, really, those Five. last the last two shorties that he missed probably cost him half a million dollars. Yeah. Do, do you think do you think Berger knew at the time on 18 what had happened last no, year? No, I don't think he could have. It was... I don't think he could have at that point. I don't know. There's a big, there's a big jumbotron right there by 18 green at Pebble. Assuming it's similar setup to what it was at the U.S. Open, there's a big jumbotron right there. So Ma- maybe he did before he struck the putt. Ma- um, Maverick Manili was already in at 16 under at this point. Berger's on the green at 16 under. All he has to do is two putt and win. Berger ends up making the eagle putt. But, and Ca- calls it the putt of his life. How, where you were there, Colby? How similar of a putt was that to the one Woodland made? Very similar to the one Woodland made. Very similar. I mean, yep. that's a small green. So there's a, they're all small. They're all they're so small. It, it's what I love about Pebble. I love the tiny greens. Yeah. And there's just not that many places to putt from on 18 green because of the slope, the ball. Always funnels kind of to the same spots. It was very similar to putt Gary Woodland made. Did y'all see the the thing that was going around where they put all of the greens on? It was either the front or back nine at Pebble. 
they all could fit onto the 18 green at at St. Andrews. Really? Wow. Yeah. That, the square every foot, green? Every green. It was either the front or back nine. I can't remember which one. All nine of greens could fit on the 18th green at St. Andrews. How great is That's that? That's crazy. I mean, I knew that approach to green was going to be a huge stat this week, strokes gained. I mean... Um, well, you won our DraftKings pool. Well, so, I, I mean, you I were did. on the yeah, yeah, but the Golf clap for hey, Sam for hey, winning DraftKings. The, pro- the problem is, I knew that that was going to be an important stat, and Daniel Berger was plus three and a half strokes on the field approach to green. I just didn't know it was going to be Daniel Berger. I faded Daniel Berger this week, but <laughs> well, any- hold on, hold on. Let's we got to be we got to have some transparency with the audience. I think a better phrase would be you heavy faded Daniel Berger this week. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, uh, Berger was just automatic for hitting greens, hitting those small greens, and um, I think that uh, if you look at the top twenty. Uh, every, every pretty much every single person was positive at least a shot uh, approach, in, in approach to green. To green yeah. yeah, so it's become it's become arguably the most key statistic in determining who's going to be successful week in and week out. Boys, I'm going to read y'all off Daniel Berger's results since um, the FedEx St. Jude. I want you to tell me where the outlier is whenever I read this off, okay? <laughs> oh, I already know I, where I'm the going outlier back. is. 2nd, 13th, 3rd, 25th, 17th, 34th, 28th, 17th, 23rd, 10th, 7th, miscut, win. Should also make note that Daniel Berger currently is on a streak of 26 rounds at par or better and he has a miscut in that period, and that's the week that you picked him in our one and done pool. One and done pick. Just, I mean, can hey, we give it, another slow it, clap for Taylor? Has it finished worse than thirty fourth, which was at the U.S. <laughs> Open since the middle of the summer? Eddie misses the cut when I pick him in wins well, my, the next week. My one and done pick this week. Had a oh, nice, Frankie. nice two first days, you know, and then he gets out. Hey, he get goes to the range on Friday. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, on Saturday he goes to the first tee out at Pebble. Just tops it. Right off the first tee. Was it the stra- I mean, stone cold tops it. <laughs> was it the straightest shot you've ever seen? Let, let me ask you this. I love how they had the pro tracer. <laughs> oh, the pro that, tracer. That was the best pro, the second best pro tracer. The best was Jim uh, Furyk. Jim Furyk. Jim Furyk. 2012 uh, US Open. Yes. He uh, number, on 16 number 16 or, 16 or 17. Yeah, one of those 16. Holes, yeah. He hit a duck hook. Never got more than 10 feet off the ground. Went straight into the tree. Second best pro tracer ever. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, Stone Cold topped it. By the way, if he had Stone Cold topped it off 10T on Sunday, he would have smoked one of those people on the beach down there. <laughs> what did what, you guys think of the new T box on, on 10? Uh, was it 9 or 10? No, it was 10. 10. It was 10. It was 10. It, it made it play 356 yards instead of playing 495 yards. And you're hitting over the beach, over all the people that are on the beach. It's, I mean, the the... Views from it were fantastic. What did y'all think of the new box? I think it was a... If I had to rate the hole before and then compare it to the new tee box, because like they mentioned, boys, it's not even necessarily a new tee box. This is where the hole used to be back in when they mentioned it was 1960 whenever when Byron Nelson and Jack Nicholas played. That back, was where back the when te- those, back, back when all those short knocks were on the tour. Right. Yeah, sure, yeah, back when the ball and the equipment wasn't going too far and, and holding and, you know, giving everyone now easier <laughs> scores. But, you know, one thing it does, it takes the bunkers on the left out of play, but at the same time, how great of a risk-reward hole is that? It gets. It's exactly what we talk about for the bombers. It gets so narrow up by the green. Do, do you know the yardages? Hey, what was uh, okay, it? It okay, was three forty so, or whatever. Right. So, so from the back tee box, which plays four ninety five, if you hit a three hundred yard drive, the fairway's fifty yards wide, right there. From the tee box they played yesterday, if you hit a three hundred yard drive, the fairway is twenty six yards wide. So it is. It is more than. It's basically half as wide. Hitting a three hundred yard drive from the tee box they played yesterday. It's like the only fairway speed hit. Oh, I know. He piped it right down the middle. It was 
awesome. And, and, birdie. and as we saw, there's multiple ways to play the hole. Kevin Strillman, at least from uh, the word, word of mouth, is that he holed out from 110 yards on that hole. So, I mean, yep. you don't have to hit yep. driver on no, that hole. No, a bunch of guys hit iron. Nate Lashley hit iron. Uh, I think Jason Day hit iron a little bit earlier. A lot of guys hit iron. Yep. And, and, you know, th- the main reason they, they said on the telecast, boys, was that they didn't have it was because there would be people over there. And yep. that you couldn't – there would be – so there obviously couldn't be a tee box in – that's one of the reasons. Obviously, I think there needs to be fans back to golf at some point, but that's another example of that golf can get by and then sometimes benefit even better if fans aren't there because it allows you to play the course in a, in different ways. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think I love risk-reward holes, and um, I would love to see more of them in golf, especially I think it's a cool addition to Pebble Beach just being classic, you know. So um, Also, when we were talking about pro tracers, I also wanted to bring up well, – I was sitting there and you – know, Obviously, with Snowmageddon and everything, I was sitting watching a lot of golf with my roommate, Brad Dalkey, and uh, Spieth hit this shot. Sweep and draw, just coming in. I, he hits it, comes off the On face. On Saturday. Comes off the face. I go, damn, that looks nice. And and Brad looks up from his phone, and it just goes right in the hole. I, I proceed to tweet, Spieth is back, and... What I said on the last podcast, I'm pretty sure that he's just another guy. <laughs> so, but, you know, I was totally wrong, again. Two things from that. One, with how dead weight that ball fell in the hole, was it not reminiscent of Tiger 2004 heartbeat? So, you know, when you hit that perfect shot oh, of heartbeat, it lands on the green. The video, yeah, game. Yeah, it's a video game. Sorry, sorry. I thought, I thought. Uh, forget that we have an audience out there who doesn't know what we're talking about with our. Lingo. Yeah, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2004. For anyone who doesn't know, if you hit a shot who, that was either going in or really close, it would essentially bring. It would like boom, 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 boom. boom heart. It was as a kid, it was one of the most exhilarating yeah. things oh, yeah. in the world. And it would oh, yeah. bring in like the screen would get black on the edges as it came in, yeah. and it would like literally thump at you. <laughs> and with how much it spun, it felt like you're hitting L two, L two, L two to spin yeah. it left, and it just landed and spun. But <laughs> But Did you hear it, what Speed said about the mud ball, by the way? Yeah, it was on the right, which is why it hooked. Yeah. Is because yeah. it had so, and which it, a testament to to him for knowing that. I mean, that's that's and for anyone out there who doesn't know, the rule of thumb is wherever the mud on the ball is, the ball will move in the opposite direction. Yep. So good for him for knowing that. And he couldn't have played it better. Unfortunately, he could have played Sunday. You know, he only shot seventy on Sunday, boys, but it felt like he shot a lot well, higher. Let's do this because this is a longer conversation talking about Speed consecutive fifty four hole leads, zero for two, closing those out. Why don't we take a break, come back, and hit those on the other side. This is the 73rd hole, the official podcast partner of Golf Oklahoma. Fired up for this partnership. Head over to golfoklahoma.org and you can still always find us at the 73rd hole.com. Social media all over the place. Uh, we're, we're just a lot of good things coming with the 73rd hole and Golf Oklahoma. We're going to take a break. We'll come, we'll come back. We'll talk about Spieth not closing it out on Sunday. We'll talk about the local guys, see who won in our bet of the local guys who had it going last week, and then we'll wrap this thing up on a snowmageddon monday stay with us here on the 73rd hole when something the size of a golf ball hits your roof you need to call mccray roofing mccray roofing is oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist for years jeff mccray and the experienced team at mccray roofing and exteriors have served fellow oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs mccray roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McCray Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McCray Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McCray Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. 
Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on a Monday on the 73rd hole, the official podcast partner of Golf Oklahoma. It is snowmageddon, but nothing will keep the 73rd hole from getting to you. Fellas, before we went to the break, we were talking about a guy by the name of Jordan Spieth, who has now had consecutive 54-hole leads. In consecutive weeks, by the way, Jordan Spieth is the first player in eight years to hold a share of the 54-hole lead in back-to-back weeks on the PGA Tour and not win either tournament. Didn't win either tournament, first guy in eight years. So, trivia, I've got a... Actually, I don't think I have a $20 bill on me. I know for sure I have a $5 bill in my drawer in there that belongs to one of you. If you can tell me off the top of your head who did it in 2013. I'll even give you the tournaments. It was the John Deere and the Sanderson Farms. Same guy had the 54-hole lead in both. Didn't convert either one. Oh, man. it's Zach uh, Johnson? Nope, it was not Zach Johnson. Good guess, though, with the John Deere. All right. Uh, let me see here. I'm going to go with um, Oh my, uh, Chris Stroud. Oh, Chris Stroud. Good guess. Not it. <laughs> Daniel Summerhays. Would have never oh, got okay. it. Well, that's why I money is a Daniel Summerhays, he's, he's, uh, he's the guy who was about to uh, quit. Yeah, he, he was, was the guy who did retire, I think. Or did yeah. retire. I say quit, retire. But then I think he, he was either going to make some sort of – because he either lost in a playoff or finished second in he, the tournament. He lost that he, in a playoff in his final Corn Ferry event. He announced he was retiring prior to his final Corn Ferry event because, he you know, golf just hadn't really worked out for him. And then he gets into a playoff at the Corn Ferry event, and then he decides to go ahead and retire. If he had won the Corn Ferry event, I'm pretty sure that I read where he was going to go ahead and continue to give golf a try because there's a big difference in a win and a T2. In, in terms of exemptions, money, everything you get to keep your career going. Uh, but anyway, let's circle back to Spieth here. Uh, I mean, what do you guys make? Is, do you think that Jordan Spieth today is encouraged because he's had two 54-hole leads? Or do you think he's a little down on himself because both times on Sunday, the game just wasn't there? Well, as a guy that uh, last week, obviously, I bet you a pizza that Doug Gim would be Jordan Spieth. So I wasn't confident. I thought that... Uh, Speed might come out this week with uh, not the best form. I thought it might have been an anomaly last week at, at the waste management. I was wrong. I mean, uh, the only flaw I really see in Jordan Speed's game that, that it, it's it's obviously the driving. But I mean, he he's hitting the ball better. He's hitting his irons better. He's putting better. And he's putting himself in position on Sunday, which he hasn't done um, in a year and a half or so. I mean. It, it, I think that he has a really uh, – he has to be encouraged by the last two weeks. And I, I think he's going to propel, and I, he's definitely going to win this year. I, I, I've totally flipped from last week because I, I thought that he if he doesn't play well this week, then it, it's just going to be the same old thing. It was kind of an anomaly. But now um, – I'm pretty impressed, actually. You know, yeah, you know, like we said, two fifty-four hole leads. That's, I mean, that's definitely saying something. To be able to get out and and honestly front run it. But I mean, whenever you're going through swing thoughts, swing changes, and really just not being able to commit fully. I think we saw it yesterday on fourteen specifically. Boys, right in the middle of the fairway, uphill into the wind, par four, hitting his third shot or par five. I'm sorry, hitting his third shot. Him and Michael are over there. Arguing, as, as you can tell, the camera get we get super close to speed the griller when they're talking, but we can't get close <laughs> when someone holds a 120 yard um, wedge shot. But Dude, they um, talked forever, by the way, over that shot on 14. That's what yeah. that's what I'm going back to. It's he. Whenever you can't fully commit to something, you're, you're not going to be able to execute, especially whenever the pressure sinks in. And that's I think that's what's happened with speed these last two rounds. But 
I think this is the start of him getting on a backward trend. He's definitely not going. I think he's reversing the cycle of him going to from an outside the top 100 player in the world. He's getting back to where he's kind of what the form that he has. Right. I think really just the the ceiling now on where he'll be. I think is the biggest question on us all because, like I mentioned before, boys, I don't think he could be a number one player in the world again. I don't know. Maybe y'all see differently now. I'm not sure. No, I I agree with you, T Dub. I don't I don't either because um, when I look at guys like Rom, I look at guys like DJ, I look at guys like Rory. I look I look at all these guys and um and I don't I don't see Jordan Spieth uh, dominating golf like he did. Um, a couple of years ago, and I, I I feel like he's like I said he should be encouraged. I feel like he will win this year if his form stays like it is. Um, but I don't. He's just another guy compared to Rory's DJs of the world, and um, I I don't see him returning to the dominance that he had back in like 2015. I, I don't think he'll return to number one in the world. I do think Jordan Spieth will win again. I think it'll likely be this year. There, there's something that he's done the last two weeks that is sustainable, and it's what made him great in the first place, and it's his iron play. You know, making 25 footers on every other hole, that's not sustainable for anybody over a long period of time. Iron play is, and this season entering Phoenix, Jordan Spieth was hitting 59.4% of his greens in regulation, and he was losing .6 strokes per round on approach. The last two weeks, 75.7 greens in regulation. So he's up 16.3% in greens in regulation the last two weeks. Also, he's gaining 1.7 strokes per round approaching the green, which is just absolutely insane. It's 2.3 strokes per round higher. Higher per round. So he's gaining now 9.2 strokes more per round with his iron play than he was on the season entering Phoenix. Yeah, and to back off that, I mean, <laughs> if you look at Spieth's numbers, it's ama- his approach numbers are amazing considering how horrible he drives the ball. I mean, he, he's uh, average. Dude, he hit some things way offline. Well, yeah. The, the tee shot that he hit on 11, he almost hit OB right on 11 yesterday, and I didn't know there was OB right on 11. Right. I mean, to put it in perspective this week, I mean, last week was the same thing, hitting <laughs> in the desert and shooting 61, you know, but this week... He he was uh, minus basically .6 shots on the field off the tee per round then he, per round yep. and then this and then uh, he's point or almost a full shot uh, almost a full shot in the last round approach to green positive so I mean he's playing out of the rough and he's and he's making it happen but if he can start driving the ball better I, I expect him to win this year should, should note he had two hole outs this week both were from the fairway. So, I mean, yes, you can hit amazing recovery shots all day, but you're scoring most of the time coming from the fairway. Yeah, and, and you know, I think, I mean, we saw it with, with Tiger back in um, in the Hank Haney era where he wasn't gaining a, a, a ton of strokes off the tee box because he wasn't hitting a lot of fairways, even That's though he point. was hitting it further than everyone. So he was able to hit those awesome shots out of the, out of the trees, out of the desert where Spieth was, and right. was able to make it work that way. And... So if if Spieth's able to play courses where his bad driving isn't going to put him in in a horrible position to where he's just unplayable, which a course like Riviera <laughs> is one of those yeah. where you, you better be in the center and you better hit it long or you're going to have trouble. And so 
I, I do think he – I'm on with y'all boys. I would have to bet on him winning again this, this year. It's going to be a course that – because he's had good success at Waste Management and Pebble Beach both in the past. Yep. So maybe a course like Colonial where he's played well. Um, just another venue where he's had success in the past. And, and you know, boys, also going to this point, he he traditionally plays well in the Open Championship across the pond. He may be, he may be an underdog there, you know. I mean, I don't – he's not – I'm not going to pick him to win it by any stretch of the imagination, but – I think, I, I don't know, Colby, you're the betting guru here. You might be able to get some decent value on speed for the Open because I do think if he was going to win a major this year, that would be the one. T- tomorrow when we do our preview show, I'll have the odds pulled up and I'll pull up all the futures for this year's majors because I'm curious where speed is at in, in those futures now as we move forward. Um, let's do some fun facts, shall we, before we move on? Right. So, uh, Brooks Kepka and Daniel Berger. Teammates at Florida State have won in two consecutive weeks. The last time college teammates won in consecutive weeks was in 2017. Can you name the college duo who did it in 2017? I bet it was Georgia. Was it Georgia? It was not Georgia. It was um, not Georgia. It's it's an easy question once you know the answer, but uh, I'm going to stop torturing y'all because it's totally a trick question. In 2017, Daniel Berger and Brooks Kepka did it. Oh, wow. Seriously. I, I, I didn't leave you on the hook that long. I knew it was a trick question. Because you said who was the other duo that did it. And it's a different duo. These, yeah. these are different How is that people different? They're the same people. They're different it's people. It's different time Kepka period. It's not US a different Opens people. In 2017. <laughs> different time period. Uh, how about this? So Pebbles, small greens, right? Smallest yep. greens any, anywhere on tour, probably just about anywhere in the world, demands great scrambling from the winners. So uh, Gary Woodland in 2019 U.S. Open entered the season – Ranked 169th in scrambling, led the field that week at 80% and won the event. Daniel Berger went into this tournament uh, 85th in the world in scrambling, led the field this week, 88%. So scrambling is key at Pebble. My question for Gary Woodland on that is, was this chip shot on the green, does that count as an... um as an on-the-green strokes gain or an approach-to-green strokes gain? It's a great point. Because he's on, the, gr- he's on the green, but he's using a wedge. Is that it, scrambling it, or putting? Both. It would have to be putting. He's on the green. That <laughs> but ha- he didn't putt. He didn't it, was, it was like a 30-yard pitch. I, I think it would count toward your putting stats. I think, I think it, has, it would, too. I think it, that's it depends, crap, though. It depends on where the ball where the ball's at. But it, it, it has nothing to do with your putting at that point. That's a total scrambling. So his scrambling stats should have even been better at that point. I think if you chip... With a wedge on the green, I think it should go toward your chipping around the green. It what, actually it might, statistics. It might. What, what, what sure. if you putt from thirty yards off the green? Does it count as a putt? It does not count as a putt. No, it doesn't. So should so is that a strokes gain putting or strokes gain approach to green shot? Oh man, see this is complicated. We're now, in the see, see, we're this, talking, this is why now we're just talking good semantics. on paper. Then You're you see the other side hurt. of yep. it. You're making my head hurt. The seventy third hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma, and on that note. Let's talk about the Oklahoma guys who were in the field this week. Uh, we, we're not going to talk for long because it wasn't a great week for the guys in Oklahoma. Eight it, guys. It was like up. me last week on DraftKings. You have a horrible week. You come back. You bounce back. Should have won. Russell Knox birdie. We didn't get to see. Ended up knocking me out of it. But all the Oklahoma guys are going to bounce back this week 100%. Uh, yes, yeah, so we had eight golfers with ties to the state of Oklahoma. Seven missed the cut. The only made cut was Peter Uline. And then we've also got Scott Tway, friend of the show. Caddies for Brian Harmon. Finished T39 at four under par. I will say... For the seven of the eight guys with local ties who missed the cut, you've got a chance next week because this is now three winners in a row that missed the cut the previous week and then went on to win. So, you, you know, it's it's hard to predict. You know, you like to find a guy coming in in form. Finding someone who's on form lately has not been the uh, the blueprint with Kepka, Berger, and uh, who won the week before. Why can't I remember who won the week before? Also was coming off of a missed cut. 
Oh my lord! Why is my why is my brain? Did we all just go brain dead? <laughs> we all just went brain dead. PGA Tour. Oh, it was Tory. Who won Tory? It was Tory. Who won Tory? Who won Tory? Somebody tell me who won Tory. What is wrong with our brains? I'm pulling it up right now. I hate that we're it's having a to Monday look it up. and I, I might. Oh my god, we forgot about it because of the cheating scandal. Oh, Reed. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. gosh, we don't that, count you, it as a win. That's that, why that, I that is why we couldn't remember because it didn't count. Yeah. it shouldn't have counted. <laughs> the only thing that counts is the 1.3 million dollar check that he got for cheating. We've had a lot go on since Patrick Reed's. Yes, I so. swear I never would have gotten to Patrick Reed because <laughs> I, I forgot about the tournament because all I all I remember from that tournament is the cheating scandal. <laughs> well, we've had uh, PGA come out with rangefinders since then, USGA's hey. trying trying to make the game worse since. Then. I mean, we've had just so many things going in, and you know we can even segue that. I mean, we had yeah. a little bit more more rules controversy this on uh, Saturday and Sunday, boys. I mean, what are y'all takes well, on the uh, Russell Knox and Maverick know, McNeely situations? Yeah, with Russell Knox on Sunday, um, I, I thought that. It, ultimately got it right, but I didn't like how they did it. So, like, obviously, I was rooting for Russell Knox. He was one of my picks. But I I didn't like how he said exactly what happened. He said he set the club down behind the ball. He looked up at the target. He looked back down, and the ball had moved. Well, he called the rules official in. The rules official says, if you don't think you caused it to move, then it was okay. And Daniel Berger was standing right there. Everyone was okay with it, and they went on. Well, then the rules official goes back into the clubhouse, watches the video, comes back out an hour later and tells him that he has a penalty right after he missed a two-foot putt. And I, I was honestly impressed by the composure of Russell Knox to come back and birdie 17 and 18 and and uh, and finish in the top 10, you know. So, But I, I, <laughs> I hate when uh, you have the Lexi Thompson-type stuff go on where they come back later and tell you you're penalized later because of video I, I i don't like it because i think it dictates how a player plays it would be like um i'm a big nba guy if you if if you if the thunder made it three and the guy's foot was on the line but didn't know it they, and then they come back and that was in the first quarter it'd be like coming back in the third quarter and right and saying that not reviewing made, it yeah. the next time out not, coming back much later it, in the yeah. game yeah i think you i mean golf's a long enough sport as it is get it right right then because it dictates how a player plays imagine if that was on 17 or 18 and we thought he won the tournament and then he didn't yeah look at dj yeah <laughs> this is my I mean, this is my question boys so we go back to when they made all the rules changes with the with the flag stick and three minute rule and all that one of the new rules was to not allow video evidence to dictate a ruling i'm looking at it right here video evidence that shows facts that could not reasonably be seen with the quote-unquote naked eye will be disregarded in addition video that is brought to the committee from a source other than the broadcast partner will not be accepted as evidence unless the committee is convinced see, that's that it's the broadcast partner so why if we don't have cameras on Kevin Strillman holding out, are we dictating on who gets penalties depending on who CBS decides to go show a camera See, on? See, and, and that's not right because not everybody's on camera. You know, if Maverick McNeely hadn't been on camera on Saturday, maybe he doesn't get penalized because they right. use the video to do it. And it's not football, it's not basketball, it's not baseball. There's not one stationary place where you put a camera and you see everything that happens. Yeah. A golf course is over stretched over several miles and I mean thousands and thousands of acres of land. You can't see. Everything. You know, we were complaining about coverage earlier. Uh, You know, I I get the fact that you can't see everything, which makes it that much more ludicrous that Russell Knox was penalized. And what I hate, and you alluded to this, Sam, he called the rules officially in on number one. He noticed his ball move. He called the official in. He told the official exactly what happened. I actually thought Russell Knox was lobbying for a penalty because the, the rules official was like getting in his cart to drive away, and Russell Knox is like, 
Well, he's like, dude, there wasn't that long. It was maybe like a second, maybe two seconds. Yeah. I don't know. But it happened pretty much right after I put my club down, maybe a second. And the guy was like, okay, you're good. Yeah. And, and let him go. And then you're going to come back out an hour later and tell him he's penalized? No, yeah, no, no. Like that. Give me a ruling right now. Whatever that ruling is, that ruling stands. Yeah. I hated how they handled it. I don't, I don't like when a guy is doing literally the opposite of cheating. Like, golf is a self-policing game. He calls the rules official over. I think once the rules official makes a ruling, like, just let it go. Like, it, he, it's not like he's trying to cheat. He called the rules official, told him what happened, and then it, even if they did get it wrong, I don't like the fact uh, – I just really think it dictates play after that because at, at, it's out of Russell Knox's hands once he explains to the rules official what happened. And like so. you said, just to compare it to another sport, you know, you did basketball. What about, like, baseball? Right. What if a guy scores on a bang-bang play in the third inning at home play and they, they call him safe? And that team is now up by one run. And in the eighth, they come out and they're like, hey, we have some guys back in the truck. Look at that deal in the third. He was actually out, so the game's tied now. So I don't know if you want to adjust your pitching rotation or anything for being tied, but we're tied now. (laughs) Right. It's a load of crap. Well, and what what if the camera for Russell Knox was from – was at number one green and showed back, and you couldn't see any evidence of it. Right. That, the whole broadcast thing is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. Because yeah. like you said, we have people holing out in front of the fairway on the middle round of Sunday, and because the coverage sucks so bad, there's no camera on them. So what if their ball moved? And it, it, there's no evidence to show that they did that, so then you can't do it. It's, but it's, you, know what? You, you know what hurts this, what we're talking about? It's guys like Patrick Reed yep. that continually cheat and blatantly cheat. Because then golf feels like it needs golf, to police the players exactly. who aren't incapable of policing yeah. themselves. And bad apples like Patrick Reed are causing stuff like this to happen. And I think that it's – it goes. Patrick Reed is like the is like the fuel to the fire in this, in this instance, but the rules of golf are just too complicated. Even for the rules officials, they're too complicated. How, how the hell can a rules official go out, make a ruling, then a, an hour later come back and change it? They obviously – I mean, it, it's yeah. it's crazy to me. Go well, ahead. Sir. You're talking about the rules of golf. I mean, how much did Russell Knox gain being in the fairway, having his ball tip over a little bit? There was like, no gain whatsoever. No gain. Yeah. And it's the, it's the intent of it as well. And this was my point. Like, we saw the same thing with Maverick McNeely on, on Saturday, who ended up finishing solo second. And who knows how he would have played differently after that. I'm not saying that that one stroke would have, would have made yeah, a difference. Yeah, I mean, there's but butterfly effect and all that. Might have even affected his pairing for Sunday. Who yeah, knows? He, he might have finished worse. Who knows? He might yeah. have, it might have gave him motivation. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if, if you... Th- if the ball moves less than an inch with no intent, why in the world are you stroked? And, like, for example, I brought it up how many ever times with the memorial last year with John Rahm. His ball moved less than both of these guys, and he stroked two strokes. I, I don't have a problem with it in the fairway. I, I mean, in, in the rough. Like, Because you can prove your lie in the rough. Yeah. But You're not improving fairway, your lie in the fairway. I mean, you can to a certain extent. Well, but, yeah. like, but what I'm saying is just taking Russell Knox's thing – it, it, he he didn't gain anything by doing that. So, but yeah. and then they ultimately deemed that he moved the ball. Well, you know, so. in my opinion, is that if if that does happen, then if like for example, if you are in the rough and it does make it a better lie, then announce it that the ball moved and you just replace it. There's no reason why you should be stroked for non-intent of it. I mean, obviously, if the ball's sitting up on the rough and you try to hit a flop shot and you go right underneath it, yeah, and the ball 
moves an inch, yeah, you should be stroked because there's intent to hit it. But yeah. there's you're just setting the club down. It's not your fault that the ball's on top of grass isolated and it rolls over. That shouldn't be the same as hitting a 300-yard drive or missing a four-foot putt on Poana Greens or miss eight of them like Nate Lashley did <laughs> Yeah, yesterday. but I, once you go down that path, that's a little bit of a slippery slope because of... Why? Be, well, as far as like just replacing it like back, saying you barely moved it and replace it back... Because guys like Patrick Reed won't replace it back in the exact same place. I think it. I think it comes down to the fact that golf is a self-policed sport, and yeah. and if golf wants to be a self-policed sport, one of two things has to happen: you have to have cameras on everything, or golf has to be a self-policed sport. And the problem is guys like Patrick Reed who screw it up for guys like Russell Knox because Russell Knox absolutely yesterday could have said, guys, th- I think that this, this ball oscillated slightly. I, I looked up and it, it maybe it moved, um, but there was no intent there and he won't be penalized. And, and you can tell how guys are on edge now after all this Patrick Reed yes, stuff. Yes, guys are on edge. Like normally yes. maybe they he just would have been like, hey, uh, I think this move, whatever. But like he – that now they were like, I need a rules official right here. No one wants to be called. Yeah. They're clumped in with Patrick Reed. No, he, he's ruined it for everybody. Yeah. Well, we got rules officials out there who, you know, as great a job as they do, they don't know all the rules. So, yeah. I mean, if, if the rules official can't know all the rules, then there has to be some sort of simplification. And Yeah, to, my, to, my favorite is when a rules official goes out for a ruling and then he has to radio to figure out what the ruling is. That's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you see it on – in in the NFL or college football, but it's all simultaneous where they're all kind of come congress together or whatever, but it's done in five or ten seconds, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're not, and you know what the number one thing it does here, boys? It slows down play oh, tremendously. Yeah. They were number one fairway for ten minutes, Spieth, probably. Yeah. Spieth and everyone in the final group is waiting on the tee box. Yeah. Why do we have to wait if the ball moved literally less than an inch with no intent to hit it? Also, it, it, it's, back, it's to the point, back to the point you made last week, he, they're on the first hole at Pebble Beach. The first hole, right there, where everything starts. And they call for a rules official, and it took like six or seven minutes for a rules official to get there. Where where are these guys? Are in, they like in the second the, to last group? Are in the second to last group, are they like in the truck in the well, TV compound that's normally, half a mile away? Normally, you got a rules official for like three groups. Like, there's per three groups, there's one rules official. I think is how it works. So, but how like, far away could he have possibly well, been? Mean, uh, he might have been on two, and then it takes forever. I I don't understand why <laughs> you can't just have a rules official for every group. Also, yeah, like, I, oh, rules, you're not paying rules officials a million dollars a tournament. Yeah, well, no. you guys are making a few but grand. Even if you no, do there's have people rules, that know the rules that are at the course that can do the less groups. You know what right. I mean? Like, right. yeah, there's rules like there's like, for instance, if there was a tournament at Southern Hills, an OGA rules official could technically do like the smaller groups and then have the big time PGA officials for the groups at the end. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, ha, there's enough people to, to have, you could have more official. rules officials yeah. on the course. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think to, for me to sum up the, the rules things the last couple of days, boys, if, if you're going by the letter of the law, I guess it's right. But at the end of the day, it's such a stupid, stupid rule. And there's so many different rules that we could dissect and, and yeah. we, we don't, I mean, we can make a whole nother show out of it. But the fact that the fact that they're both penalized and we look back and we, we didn't even remember he won the tournament, but Patrick, Patrick Reed won the um, farmers for him to not have any type of penalties for the stuff that he's, he's done is it's honestly making my blood boil at this. Yeah. Point. It's just, it's so tough as golf fans to swallow the fact that with Patrick Reed, there was clearly intent yeah. to, to help him, you know he, you know you can use the word cheat if you want to. Every I, time. I would not just intent not just to cheat. One, yeah, intent to cheat. 
no penalty, yep. handled it 100% perfectly correctly. Russell Knox, no intent to cheat, immediately calls in a rules official, gets the ruling, all good to go, and then he's penalized. It's yep. just there's Maverick, no consistency the to it. Who ended up finishing solo second. Yeah, yep. no consistency to it whatsoever. So uh, a c- couple quick things, and then we'll get out of here. Number one, Maverick McNeely grew up at Pebble Beach, and his dad didn't let him play until he was 16? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty unfortunate. <laughs> but, uh, hey, I mean, he birdied the last five holes, uh, five birdies on the last eight holes, I'm sorry, uh, yesterday to finish second. And that was pretty impressive. Guy from Stanford, great player. He had um, the sauciest club twirl of the uh, season so far, too, was, on 18. That, <laughs> that was, was nice. That yeah, was, yeah, I, yeah. I, I like that. Brought it out wide with the left hand, spun it down. Into, yeah, But he didn't make nice. the putt, and he lost by two. So. <laughs> hey, still <laughs> solo, solo second. second. 800K. 800K check, yeah. Hey, I'd like that. And, and, he, and he, he's, is he married or dating Daniel uh, Kang? He's dating Daniel Kang, so yep. he, he gets to go home and be the second best golfer in his house. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she is unbelievable. Yeah, she's really good. 850000 $200 from Maverick McNeely. So, lot of FedEx points, too. Probably not enough to buy that house at Pebble, but still a good week. Yeah. I mean, Maverick McNeely from Stanford, you know, I I think that there's so many good young guys coming out that you, mm-hmm. like McNeely, I mean, I've heard of him because I'm, I grew up playing. He's similar to my age, but there's so many good guys that are going to come out of the woodwork that McNeely y'all really won 11 times at Stanford. Yeah, he won eleven yeah, he, times at Stanford. Tiger didn't even win as much as McNeely and uh, what's the other guy's name from Stanford? I'm blanking on his name right now. Tiger's buddy? No, yeah. no, 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 Patrick Rogers. No, Patrick Rogers. No, Patrick Rogers? Patrick Rogers. Yeah. yeah, he was in the 2011 high school yeah, class. They were talking about that and like Matt Maverick McNeely's going to be big time. Just wait. Yeah. And, and I mean, you, we mentioned Patrick Rogers. He was the guy who I bet, um, I bet some of my friends. I think it was five years ago, whenever he came out on the tour, I said there'll be two players. By this time, a calendar year who will be top 15 in the world who aren't. And they were close to outside the top 100. And that was Patrick Rogers and Tiger Woods. And let's say I was one for two on it. And yep. the one that I was not right on was Patrick Rogers. Right. And, right. you know, we talk about like Joaquin Neiman and all these people. You slow down Patrick Rogers' swing, that back ain't holding up for long, boys. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, uh, all right, before we get out of here, Taylor, you brought this to my attention this morning. The the saga, the drama that is the Joel Dame Sung Kang pairing that we had yesterday <laughs> afternoon at Pebble. So let me give the backstory, and then we'll talk about what happened this week at Pebble. They, so, were, they were playing in one of the final groups. The problem is they were on the back nine, so they were close to the bottom of the league. <laughs> yeah, and this would have been, they first came together, I think this was in 2019, uh, down at TPC Potomac, where they were in the midst of a round. They were playing together. They were paired in the same group. Sung Kang hit it in the water, and it was one of those lateral hazards where if the ball crossed further up, you know, if you're playing a draw or a slice and it crossed, you can drop much further up. It was about a 170-yard difference in the drop from where Sung Kang said that his ball crossed, and then Joel Damon argued with him because Joel Damon believed the ball last crossed into the hazard 170 yards back. So they hold up play for about a half hour. Other groups are playing through while they're waiting. Which and never happens. Never happens. They're trying to figure out this ruling, playing through, and then, so... Basically, Sun Kang ends up getting to take the drop he wants 170 yards closer to the hole. Damon tweeted after that round that day, said Kang cheated. He took a bad drop from a hazard. I argued until I was blue. I lost. So then, this is where it gets interesting. This is what I didn't re- reveal to y'all earlier. So uh, last May, so this would have been May of 2020, Joel Damon was on uh, Golf.com's Subpar podcast and he was well, asked that, about that's it. with Colt Nost and um, I forget the other guy's yeah, name yeah yeah so and he, Joel Damon Joel Damon was asked about it and he said that Sun Kang and him had talked one time since 
since it happened. And Sun Kane came up to Joel and said, Joel, I want you to apologize to me. And Joel Damon responded, apologize to you. Look around. You should, apo- you should apologize to everybody else that was in that field. You took money from them. You did all this stuff. He said, we just went back and forth about apologizing. And finally, he's like, you did this. You ruined my reputation. And I said, you did this to yourself. I didn't do this. And then Damon said, we have not spoken since. Until yesterday. Until hey, got, yesterday. got a nice text. At, at Joe Damon got a nice text Saturday evening with his pairing. And, um, and fill us in, Colby. Yeah, so he tweeted out the uh, text that he got from the PGA Tour with his pairing with just like um, the eyeball emoji. Like, okay, here we go. And apparently they kind of they laughed on the first tee. Uh, Joe Damon's caddy, Gino Benali, was asked about it after the round. He said that on the first tee, Sun Kang kind of jokingly said, my friends told me I should push you off a cliff. And Bonnelly added and said, Joel laughed. It was all good. So apparently they kind of made light of it yesterday, but I bet it was still a little uncomfortable. It, it, it had to have been. And, you know, we mentioned it um, after the Patrick Reed thing, boys. What is the worst thing you can be called in golf? Cheater. cheater. A cheater. What yep. did Joe Damon do to Sun Kang? Call, 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 him him, call him the worst thing that you could in golf. Yeah. So, I mean, straight up on Twitter that night, Kane cheated. He took a bad drop from a hazard. I argued until I was blue. I lost. And he, it, he put him on blast. And yeah. he is not, de- and, and he will not, not deny it to this day and probably till the day he dies, in all honesty. And I mean, if you want to firmly believe that, I mean, that's like we've talked about it before, Colby. And we play in tournaments where it happens. I mean, if it's, if it's up to players and tens and you can sleep at night for doing that, so be it. But. At the end of the day, I mean, it's it is what it is, and if you and if if Kang's going to come out and for anyone who walks up to someone and says you need to apologize to me, that's that's just so selfish in my opinion, right? <laughs> I, mean, weird, I mean, is that right? not that's like, weird. like going weird. up to someone and say you need to apologize? Like I I I don't know, like like at least start. Walk up and say something a little different, you know, like, hey, how are you doing? You know, I mean, you could at least say I'm sorry for the altercation. I felt like I was on the right side on it, you know. You don't just have to say that you were blatantly wrong. I need an apology. I yeah. mean, that's just that's just a dickhead thing to do. <laughs> well, and, and the problem for me with this scenario, I mean, unless we had high-def cameras at a few different angles, there's no way to go back and look and see whether Sun Kang took right. an illegal drop. It's... I mean, Joel Damon swears that he did. Maybe he did, but I, I, I haven't seen it. I yeah. can't call Sun King a cheater. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he cheated, maybe he didn't. But the thing I do love about this, I wish there was more beef on the PGA Tour between guys. I love it. I, 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 lo- I want to see I more beef too. on the PGA Tour. I want to see guys uh, kind of so, going sub, after each other a little bit. Each yeah, other? subtweeting each other. I want, I want all the tea on everything. So. Or, or not even subtweeting. You just do what Joel Damon said. Yeah. He said, Kang cheated. That ain't yeah. a subtweet. No, and, and you know we, you know I definitely want like I kind of agree with you guys. You know a little bit more banter, but we don't need everyone going out there calling everyone a cheater no. because they took a drop off no. the cart path yeah. or something yeah. like yeah. that. You no, know? it's just no. and like I like the the kind of little rivalries I like. And now there's some personal backstory to this too with these two guys. But I like how Brooks Koepka came out of the PGA and was like, yeah, I mean I know how to close. You got other guys on here, maybe have one major or something. I, yeah. I think I feel pretty good. That's the kind of stuff I like. Yeah, well, that's good. And stuff. then look what happened after he said that. Yeah, yeah. DJ just DJ went, went he off, scorched earth. Yeah. After that final round, and, and you know, I and think, still has half as many majors as Brooks. Fine, I, fine ain't fact. that crazy? And um, you know, something that's really crazy about it, boys. Whenever you think about, because we talk about the cameras and stuff and how much that makes an impact, but 
Let's look back to 2013 when Tiger won the Players' Championship. Funny how, it was actually ironic yesterday when I was watching, they showed a Players' Championship preview with Jason Day winning. I didn't see Ricky Fowler winning the the Players' Championship. (laughs) So they've been rotating them. So basically what they're doing is like this year's defining moment for the players. So they're rotating through different years' winners. Seen a lot of Rory. Seen a lot of Rory, a lot of Ricky. I've seen KJ Choi. In there, I've seen uh, Jason Day. I saw like Kucher in there. I saw Siwoo Kim in there. So I think they're just rotating through who's and, this year's defining. And the thing, only guy I haven't seen is Webb. I, I haven't seen much of Tiger. You know, when, we talk about how cameras and everything meant such an impact, boys. But at the end of the day, your playing partner has a lot to do with it. Because in the 2013 Players' Championship, when Tiger won, it was 13 or 14, whatever. Tiger hooks the living hell out of this iron or three-wood, whatever it is. He's playing with Casey Wittenberg in OSU, right. an OSU local player. Yep. And... Is anyone going to stand up to Tiger Woods and tell him he's taking an illegal drop? No, no, and because we talked about this last week, too, it's the most subjective thing in the game because you have to see in real time exactly where it crossed, and it's 80 feet in the air, and you're trying to look at it, you're trying to look at the land, you're trying to see where it crossed. It's... It is the most subjective thing in the game. That's why golf self-police. Well, and you know, even even going even deeper into that, like when it was last year, a year and a half ago, when people were talking about the uh, like marking your ball when it's just a little past the hole when someone's chipping, you know, to keep the integrity of the game. You know, so you leave your ball there in case someone hits it, it can stop it from running. Right. And yeah. Jimmy Walker comes out on Twitter and says that he'll mark the ball or not mark the ball depending if he likes the guy or not. Nice. You, you know. So I mean, nice. A lot of times we talk about well, Oklahoma's own Jimmy Walker. Not yeah. really, but he lived here for. School. Brief, yeah. brief stamp. So, yeah. you know, we talk about cameras and even rules officials, but you see that Joe, if Joe Damon would have just sat back and said, oh, you can do whatever you want, this would have never happened. So a lot of times it depends on who you're playing with and how adamant they are about the decision that you're making. Yeah, because most guys will do kind of like what Rory Sabatini did with McElroy's ball at Farmers. They'll turn around and be like, yep, you're good, and just keep walking because most guys – don't care, don't have yeah. the interest in getting in a rules debate, especially something like that where, like, you don't have any concrete evidence that the guy cheated. There's yeah. nothing. I mean, you're just like, well, I think it crossed back there. And he's like, well, I think it crossed back up here, and I'm the player, so I'm going to drop up here. You're not going to make a big deal about it unless it's obvious. You yeah. Know? I mean, Taylor, like- Taylor and I were literally in the exact same situation at Oak Tree this fall for the Oklahoma Open, 16 at Oak Tree East. Uh-huh. Guy plays a, a three-wood. He was a bomber, but he played a three-wood with some hook to it, <laughs> and it – it ended up left in the water on 16. Right. He said it crossed up by pretty much right where it landed because it was yep. hooking. Taylor and I, we both thought that it crossed back, which is probably 150-yard difference. But, I mean, he's the player. We didn't argue with him. Yep. If that's where you're dropping, that's where you're dropping. And then, you know, karma is what karma is. He ended up making triple. So. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, there are the, the two things to it. One, it's golf is such an integrity game, so I, I just have faith in people. You know, I, if, if I would have had the same line as that one, I would have dropped back. That's just me, but it's so subjective if you want to do that. So, be, like I said, if you can sleep at night, and I'm such a believer in the ball don't lie theory in basketball, but Patrick Reed has gotten me away from that because he's the most blatant cheater and he keeps getting million-dollar checks. Hey, Why does the ball not lie for Patrick Reed, but it does for everyone? He's got the best short game in the world. Yeah, it's he can hit it wherever he, he wants and get it up and in. Uh, so. no, he has to take free drops to get it up and down. That's a good question. That's a good point. Sometimes you got to take free drops like he did on 10 at Farmers when he cheated. Uh, fellas, good show today. 
Golf Oklahoma. Golf Oklahoma and the 73rd hole. We are partnered. We are going to be bringing you golf coverage like you've never seen in this state. We are fired up. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. This is what I want you to do. This is your assignment for today. If you're listening today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, chances are you're inside. It's freezing outside. You've got your device in your hand all day. Right now, go to GolfOklahoma.org and subscribe to be on their list. That will get you not only all of the links to this podcast, but it will also get you all of Golf Oklahoma's content that they send out. The best places to play in the state. Great stories about local guys, young guys, college guys, all that. Guys on the tour. It's just some of the best uh, golf content that's created anywhere in the country is right here in the state. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org right now and subscribe. That's your homework for this week. Yeah, and just to make it as simple for everyone, GolfOklahoma.org, it's literally the first thing that pops up when you go to the website. All you have to do is punch in your email and you'll get the best golf content, not only in the state, but in the country and the world. So, I mean, it's just yep. easy. as just like that. Newsletter and then the magazine, the next magazine coming out will be the uh, Senior PGA Preview. Oh, so, nice. make sure to get that magazine as well. Subscribe to the print. So yep, I am geeked for the senior PGA. But we've got a few months between us and that. So once again, we're back tomorrow. We will preview everything that's going to, pardon me, that's going to take place at Riviera this week. Thank you everyone for listening to the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs>